0: It's time for The Rundown with Rob Sanders. Well,
1: we're waiting. Welcome into The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Appreciate you joining us this afternoon. We got a lot of stuff planned for you. Uh, Big Ten making some big news there, but... Been excited about our next guest that we're going to bring on the show. Of course, he is friend of the program and former Gamecock assistant, Coach Eric Wilson. Coach, welcome into the rundown. Good afternoon, sir.
2: Hey, brother. How are you, sir?
1: I am uh, holding my own. I feel bad because I haven't been able to see you or the star of the podcast where you just kind of sweep up the floor and make sure everything's good. Of course, the savage college football <clears throat> cast. Where, where is Savage at, man? Is he out changing the world? What's going on with that?
2: <laughs> uh, he's got that He's close to 11,000 on Instagram. There have been a lot of people jumping. He's been previewing this, the upcoming season for about the last 60 days, and we're anticipating the first podcast to be released here in the next couple weeks. We've already done a couple of good player interviews uh, that we recorded and anticipate I've got a couple – uh, Power 5 coaches lined up uh, that I've also worked with in the past that we're going to interview. So we've got some good content that will start coming out here sometime in mid-August.
1: Yeah, great stuff from the Savage College Football Podcast. Um, if you haven't been checking that out, you can find it on the iHeartRadio app on iTunes. However you get your favorite podcast, it's, uh, it's a great show. And um, of course, uh, Savage runs it, but Coach Wilson here brings the X's and O's which is uh, why we've got uh, Coach Wilson on with us today. The first thing I want to get into with you, Coach, is, you know, we've had so much stuff come out here in the past 24 hours. UConn says, you know what, Uh, to heck with it. We're not even going to play football this year. You've got a lot, I say a lot, I've seen at least three players say, hey, we're completely opting out. Uh, As a gentleman who has been with football and, and coached all over the place, including high school and everything else, do you get the vibe that we're going to have a college football season or not?
2: Well, I think yeah, I think they're going to, they're going to do their very best to have a college football season just because of money. Uh, you know the, the X's and the O's are the last thing right now. That's what all the coaches are talking about. Obviously, I've just discussed this with a lot of my friends in the profession. Uh, guys, uh, I've, I've got a good friend of mine who's an assistant coach at Notre Dame. He and I talked last week. A buddy of mine, who's in Central Florida. I've kind of been in contact with these guys, and they are all in their bubbles getting ready for the season like they're playing football. And and when you listen to what the conference commissioners are saying, they want to play football, obviously, because of the financial implications of not playing football. There's television rights that are involved. uh, There's gate. There's obviously there's just a lot of things that come into play financially for the universities and the conferences that would go by the wayside if they didn't play. The big concern is what you just said is there's uh, a lot of talk and pushback from players uh, in certain conferences, not just individual players, but players have started to group together. Uh, as you made reference to the so though on August the 1st, there was an SEC conference uh, virtual meeting where there was player representatives, in that meeting and uh, a number of them expressed concern uh, about things. Uh, obviously they've got the, uh, the thing that you heard about out of the PAC 10 last week called we are United where uh, almost 400 uh, players kind of grouped together from PAC 12 schools and sent a list of demands uh, to the PAC 12 uh, saying that if Eastern's demands weren't met, they were going to opt out of the season. So there's a lot of, a lot of that going on that right now is, uh, more concerning than whether these guys are going to be able to line up right and run their plays the right
1: way. Well, speaking of which, uh, I I was going to ask you about the the stuff with the Pac-12. I mean, I think that they're reaching an absurd, uh, for an absurd height with all of that. I mean, 50% of the Pac-12 revenue, that's almost comical.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, (laughs) the things that they're asking for, The things that they're talking about are absolutely, I mean, they're just, they're not going to happen. They can't happen. Um, you know, there are some things in there that are reasonable requests, uh, requests, like if, you know, I think the request of, uh, if, if I'm not comfortable playing, uh, I should be able to sit the year out and not lose my scholarship and maintain the real eligibility. I think that's a fair request because that's a health request, but just like in so many, uh, sections of our society right now, a decent amount of this is getting leveraged for political gain or to achieve things that have nothing to do with health. And so I think the conferences are going to have to do a a good job of separating what's important from a health perspective versus what's important uh, from the perspective of actually playing football.
1: All right, well, let me ask you this. I I had Lou Bajak on from the state newspaper yesterday and talking about on the high school front, you coached some high school ball here in – south carolina as well there is no um they're they're not doing any testing for these high school players and i i guess when i when i mentioned that people were shocked that i was shocked by that i I mean we're asking a lot of these young men that are going to play football putting them into a position where i mean i think it's highly likely that they could uh come in contact with the coronavirus
2: yeah, I think, I mean, when you start looking at stuff like that, it's the biggest concern right now, I, th- is, I mean, there's liability concerns around this kind of stuff, right? I mean, I think you have to take the same health precautions for athletes, whether they're high school athletes, college athletes, pro athletes. At the end of the day, it's health and you have to take it seriously. Obviously, the, the science shows that the younger guys are a lot less risk. But at the same time, I think, you know, the schools and the conferences, the high school league would be putting themselves in a disadvantageous position from a liability standpoint if they didn't give these kids the opportunity for testing the same way that the colleges do. Now, they may not be able to pay for the whole thing. They may have to just provide opportunities. And again, same thing for high school athletes. You may just have to say, look, we're going to provide opportunities for testing, Uh, you know, if if you're. Um, and a, a kid who doesn't have insurance and, and can't afford it then we will try to help you pay for it uh, we want you to put it on in your insurance first if you do have third-party insurance uh, and at the end of the day if, if you don't feel comfortable with the uh, the standards and the the safety precautions we're putting in place then you know that it's your choice not to play
1: I, I just think it's they're not doing any testing at all is what Lou Bejac from the state newspaper told me yesterday and I was kind of shocked by that I figured that Uh, getting into an an environment where, you know, you're going to be touching other people and it's not out of the realm to think that uh, fluid as far as sweat and everything else can uh, be exchanged. And I just, I was just kind of stunned by that. I thought that the schools would be doing some sort of testing on that, but I guess I'm on the other end of it, but yeah, it's. Well, uh, I think
2: my, from, at least from the, some of the people I've talked to, there are some schools that are doing testing, but I think it's not being, it's not a situation where the high school league is is pushing down a mandate as to here's what we're requiring. They're leaving it to the schools, which um, personally, I think that's a little bit of uh, a situation where they're trying to abdicate some responsibility and then trying to let all the liability fall on the schools. I think if you're a leadership organization, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, the high school league or whether it's skeezes league or, or any kind of league, I think as a, as a leadership organization and an organization that's, that outlines policy uh, for athletics, you should be on the forefront of setting standards. So I don't think just kicking the stuff down to the schools is the right decision to make, but that's the way it looks like it's going.
1: Speaking of uh, football and on the field, Jonathan asked a question on Facebook live about the, uh, have you seen the new COVID mask where it's almost like a shield that's put on, uh, I guess it's the face guard. Um, What do you think about those?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, in terms of its ability to um, – I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. But in, in terms of its ability to stop the spread of COVID, I mean, it, COVID is a um, spread through uh, what, a water molecule, right? right? So it is spread through a respiratory um, avenue. So I think anything that you can do to potentially stop that from happening – um, does help. I mean, there, it, it's not much more than a visor that extends down to the bottom part of the face mask. I and mean, we've seen guys wearing visors in their helmets for the last 10 years. This one just goes and extends down to the bottom part of the face mask, so it's covering the mouth uh, and the nose, which is basically, the obviously, the, to try to keep uh, any kind of small molecules from entering that the, that area through respiration. So, I mean, I think anything that they can do from a safety perspective is smart. But the reality of it is you're out on a field with 22 guys sweating profusely in 100-degree heat in South Carolina, and they're bleeding, and they're mashing into each other 85 times a game. Um, it's going to mitigate some risk, but it's it's certainly not going to eliminate risk.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, though, that they're putting some of that stuff uh, together. And that's that's the one thing that we've seen that they've yeah. talked about for football, but Man, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's... I mean, I've
2: seen. I know Texas put it on their um, Twitter page a few days ago. LSU's put it on their Twitter page a few days ago. Uh, there's a lot of major schools that are, you know, have said that they're going to make it uh, their standard thing. I think four of the five Power Five conferences have said um, they're going to use them in some way, shape, or form. So, right again, I think they're just trying. They're trying to somehow, you know, figure out how can we lower the risk of of contagion
1: yeah and at this point we're up for ideas at this point but uh, I wanted to ask you some x's and o's questions um and I, I talked to you about this earlier and and once again I was never someone that lined up and played football I enjoy it I've read books about it uh but on the other hand that doesn't say anything about actually strapping up and getting after it I do have this question though when on the offensive side of the ball is it going to affect them on the front of if there's no crowd there, getting the plays in and maybe tipping off the defense? I mean, I think without the crowd, the defense could theoretically kind of have the upper hand.
2: Well, I mean, honestly, I, I kind of look at it from almost from an opposite perspective. I've always okay. felt like the crowd benefits the defense, right? So if you look at the way crowds operate at good stadiums, They're quiet when the offense is on the field, but when their defense is on the field, they're loud to impede the other team's offense. And so to me, the biggest thing you're going to see from a decrease in crowds in these stadiums is it actually is going to make things easier for the offense in terms of communication. If you're in a really loud stadium, um, you know, like in the SEC, you're talking about the swamp, you're talking about Tennessee, some of these stadiums where they're right on top of you and offensively, that, that crowd is really loud when you're on offense. You can't verbally get anything out. It's really hard to audible at the line of scrimmage. You're trying to do everything with hand signals. And teams are pretty used to that now just because of the, of the, the no huddle and a lot of the fast break stuff. But the audible situation is the most difficult. You know, if you're signaling all your plays in, that's fine. But if you've got to change the play at the line of scrimmage and the, the crowd is really loud, it's hard to get that to the linemen. Um, and it's hard to get that to the back so if you've got much smaller crowds and it's quieter it's actually in my opinion it'll benefit the offenses and allow them to communicate a lot better
1: but can't the uh, will it be will they be able to catch some of the audibles what I mean by that is is that if you're on you know the defensive line and you can hear them audibling and you can you know let everybody else know i mean that little bit of I mean, it seems like they would have somewhat of an advantage on that front with the audibles being able to pick up, hey, we thought they were going to do this, they're going to do something different.
2: Well, usually as a defensive player, you know when they're audibling because you can pretty much tell. It's, it's, most of the time, it's in the middle. if they're in the middle of a cadence, you know when they're switching out of their cadence and going into something different. Um, if you're going to audible right from the beginning, you might be able to. But the hard part is you don't know what their audible is. I mean, now nah, it Unless you're, if you're picking it up during the game, it might give you a chance defensively to do a, to have an easier job of, of figuring out what they're audibling to and potentially making adjustments to it. Um, so you'll hear it. But most of the time, uh, even if it's loud, you can tell when a team is, is running an audible just by the way that they're breaking into their cadence.
1: Yeah, in- interesting stuff there. Um, I was going to ask you about, uh, do you think that Maybe they'll pipe in some crowd noise, and you think that may be something that could, uh, could he- I don't know, help on the other end.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, chumbacasino.com has over hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
2: I don't know if they will or not. To be honest with you, I had not even thought about that. That, that would be funny. It'd be kind of like uh, you know sitcoms that well, pump in no, but, I mean, laughter if you, if when it you doesn't watch, really happen.
1: You watch Major League Baseball; they're they're pumping in the crowd noise there. I don't know if they can hear it on the field or not, but I mean, definitely on the TV front, you can. You I uh, can yeah, hear I it.
2: said I, w- I I think they will probably push it in on the TV. I think you'll see a lot of stuff that's a little bit different from my, the perspective of the broadcast. Because they're going to, have to, continue, they're going to, have, to make, have to make it look interesting. They're going to have to, to do things to, to make it feel as exciting for the viewer at home. So I, I would not be surprised to see it all happen on the TV, uh, on the broadcast. stuff.
1: All right, Coach Eric Wilson joining us on the program today. I wanted to ask you a bit about the scheduling front, um, the back and forth, it seems, with the ACC and the SEC. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. The ACC kind of laid the groundwork there for uh, the traditional rivalries to continue. The SEC really didn't really even want to think about that from uh, the vibe that you got from their release. Uh, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on the whole 10-game conference schedule, because that seems to be the way they're going to go across the board.
2: Yeah, well, I think there's some pros and some cons. I think the biggest con is, is, like you said, is the loss of a lot of these big uh, interconference rivalries. You know, South Carolina was the only team out of the SEC teams to vote against the idea of going with an all-conference schedule, as they wanted to preserve the game. Um, every other SEC team voted to go with a full conference schedule. So I think that's one of the big negatives is losing those rivalries. The positive, I think, as, as you'll start to see in some of these conferences, especially in the ACC and and in the Big Ten, is the elimination of of the um, you know the division. And, uh, potentially getting like in the ACC, you you typically see somebody pretty weak coming out of coastal division to play against Clemson. Now in in the big 10, sometimes you'll see the same thing. So now you got the opportunity, you know, when they're playing a full schedule and it's the best on best in the conference championship to potentially see a much better conference championship game in these conferences than you've seen in the past when they're taking the winners out of each division against each other.
1: I, I do like the idea more and more about the no divisions thing. But uh, the whole thing with Notre Dame, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I've been the guy that thinks they should be in a conference, but uh, I'm one of these geography guys. In my opinion, Mizzou doesn't belong in the SEC. No disrespect to the Tigers, but I don't think that Notre Dame belongs in the ACC. I think they belong in the Big Ten. Uh, it would just make the most sense. I mean, they've got rivalries with uh, with teams in the Big Ten. And it just makes sense on the football front to have them there. But your thoughts on uh, Notre Dame joining the ACC?
2: No, I've always felt the same. I, you know, I grew I grew up in Michigan, uh, was a Big Ten guy until I came down here to South Carolina and ended up making it my home, you know, 25 years ago. But uh, I, I always felt like if Notre Dame entered a conference, that the Big Ten would be the best fit for them, just because there's so many built in rivalries, the Michigan State-Notre Dame game, the Michigan-Notre Dame game, uh, Notre Dame and um, Penn State. Like, There's just so many games that are are big games, but obviously they've aligned themselves with the ACC through all their other sports. Uh, I do think it was the right decision for Notre Dame to, to decide to do that this year. It would have been very hard for them to get games scheduled with all these other teams going to only conference schedules. They would have been the odd man out, so they pretty much had to do that to be able to compete. Uh, and honestly, for them, at the end of the day, it gives them a much better chance, I think, to be in the contention for a national championship. Uh, when you look at the way they scheduled independently, they were always playing a lot of top tier teams. You know, now USC has been down for a couple of years, but they've always got USC. Uh, they've always up until the last, you know, they've, they're usually playing a Michigan. They're playing a Clemson and Alabama. They're playing two you know, to three top five teams every year and by going into the ACC uh, depending on the way the scheduling works Clemson's probably you know the team that's going to give them the most the biggest run for their money Um, there are a couple other teams that are on the rise but I mean as they step in there they really step in there it's probably the second best team in that conference just from day one which is really not the way they would typically line up against their normal schedule
1: uh, moving along here, final question for Coach Eric Wilson joining us on the program today. I appreciate you taking some time out for us. I've got Ohio State schedule in front of me, and normally when we have rivalry weekend, Ohio State-Michigan kind of kicks it off at noon, and that's kind of like the first you know big game that's always in the mix on TV that day. But they've moved Ohio State-Michigan to October the 24th. And in theory, the last game of the season, now this is all barring any setbacks from the, the coronavirus, but they've got November the 21st, the uh, Buckeyes playing Iowa. I, I don't know why the Big Ten did that. And then they have a bye week before the Big Ten championship game. I mean, it just makes more sense, in my opinion, to have, have that game as the last game of the season. I know you grew up up there. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, my guess is that one of the reasons they did that is if they are potentially anticipating a Michigan-Ohio State rematch in the Big Ten championship, they would not want to see that two weeks in a row. So my gut tells me that they moved it to the middle of the season um, so that they could, if that was a marquee game and they ended up playing the, the Big Ten championship against each other, there would be you know, a good six weeks in between those games. Uh, so that it would be a game that people were interested in
1: again. Well, yeah, I I guess that makes sense. And I didn't think about that, but I'm in the camp of, man, I'm just so used to having that that one weekend where it's absolutely nothing but rivalry games, and I just think that's gone now. And the interesting thing about it now is that you know, a lot of folks are going to be like, well, why why can't we continue to go with what we've got here with the 10-game conference schedule and everything else and the thoughts of no divisions? And I, we may not have a rivalry weekend again.
2: Well, I think you might. I think, you know, I don't think people will stay all with a full conference schedule to perpetuity just because it's brutal on, on the body and the games are going to be a lot more difficult. Uh, you're not going to have, you know, the kind of gimme wins that a lot of these middle-tier uh, conference teams are used to getting. I mean, if we look at South Carolina's schedule just as a great example. You know, they're giving up the Wofford, the use, you know, the, the, um, uh, the Carolina, uh, you know, Coast game, the, Carolina, the yeah. East Tennis, not the, yeah, the, the, and the, um, you know, games like East Carolina and, and just these kind of mid major schools, uh, right. the, you know, the citadels of the world. They're giving those games up and picking up three conference games. And we don't know, you know, so you're talking about games that, you know, they won, they're struggling to win four or five, six games a year with three gimmies. And now you're going to take those gimmies away. So teams like South Carolina that are middle of the road kind of teams in their conferences, uh, it's going to be much more difficult for them with those non cons going away. So I think you'll see that come back. But I do think we'll get a lot more traction uh, with this big push that we've had nationally to nine conference games every year and maybe only having two non-conference games. The sec has been one of the conferences pushed back against that the most. And the other thing that I, I hope potentially sticks is I really like the idea of not having these divisional champions play each other where you potentially have the second best team in a conference, not even in the conference championship because they're in the same division as the team that, you know, that's better than them. I'd like to see the two best teams in each conference. play each other every year. So I do do like that. And I hope that sticks around.
1: Do you think that'll happen in the SEC where, I mean, let's just be honest. The SEC West has dominated the championship game for, for a while now. Uh, I mean, basically go to what they do with basketball, where we have uh, the winning percentage or whatever that gives you the top two teams. You, you would if the divisions go away, we could have another matchup like last season. It would have been probably LSU and Alabama in the uh, in the uh, championship game again.
2: Yeah, I mean, from a fan's perspective, it'd be a much better look. I think one of the things and one of the reasons that people have avoided that is because if you have an LSU-Alabama play in the conference championship game and then you put a loss on one of them, it impacts what the college football playoff looks like. And that's one of the things the conferences have tried to stay away from is, hey, we don't want to put our, you know, two big dogs who would both get into the college football playoff against each other before that even happens and potentially lose one of them going into it. So that's the battle you're fighting up, you know, at the administrative level when they're trying to make these kinds of decisions. But from a fan standpoint, watching the two best play, I mean, there's no question that that's the best way to go.
1: Coach Eric Wilson joining us on the program today. Um, I'm looking forward to the next edition of the Savage College Football Podcast You can find that on uh, iTunes. You can find it on the iHeartRadio app. And we'll let you know when it drops here on the rundown. Coach, thanks so much for uh, joining us here today, man. I really appreciate it. Tell us where we can find you on Twitter.
2: So uh, I'm at Coach Eric Wilson on Twitter. And uh, I usually am doing a lot leading up to the games, pregame, and then I tweet during the game. Uh, Right now, to be honest, you're not going to get much from me. I'm actually on a social media vacation for the next three weeks. I I decided that up until about a week before the season, I'm just staying off of social media. I'm tired of the politics. I'm tired of of all the stuff. And I'm literally just uh, on sports websites, doing radio stuff like this and just trying to stay in the middle of of sports by itself and, and not getting involved in other extracurricular stuff. But as soon as we get close to the season, I'll be back on Twitter and I'll be tweeting a bunch about Carolina football, Clemson football, and, and everything that the people in the state of South Carolina like to follow.
1: All right, Coach. Hey, man, thanks for joining us on The Rundown, man. I really appreciate it.
2: All right, my friend. Have a good one. Thanks so much.
1: All right. Coach Eric Wilson joining us on The Rundown. We appreciate him and uh, what he brings to the program. Great stuff. Uh, it's always cool to have someone that actually, you know, coaches football. Kind of kind of makes life a little bit... Uh, a little bit easier. You can ask him X's and O's questions, and he knows the answer. By the way, go look in our archives on the podcast. He broke down the stuff with um, the the Clemson-Ohio State game where the refs got the call correct. I think he, that was in the archives. I think we talked about that with Coach Wilson where some folks call it a fumble even though it wasn't. Yeah, go and check that out. That's some interesting stuff there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Big Ten dropping their schedule and a lot more, you are listening to The Rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Lucky
0: Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli,
0: I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. Limu, when we're not telling people that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need, I've actually been moonlighting as a DJ. Check it! Here's the good part! Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Welcome back to The Rundown. Follow Rob on Twitter at RobSoundsGood.
1: Welcome back to The Rundown. Quick look at the Big Ten schedule that was released today. They're going to try to start their games on September the 3rd. Your matchups that, uh, excuse me, September the 5th, September the 5th, Rob, Uh on Thursday night, so Ohio State will go on Thursday night with Indiana, Iowa, and Maryland. Also, Minnesota and Michigan State, Rutgers and Nebraska, Penn State and uh, Northwestern, Purdue and Michigan, Wisconsin and Indiana. In da, 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 da. Yeah, there you go. There's all of your games right there. So that's interesting stuff there. Um. When I look at the schedule, though, I, it bothers me we don't have the rivalry weekend. I know that people are, are tired of hearing me say that, but I think I have to be one of those people that just uh, kind of get back to a point where, all right, change isn't necessarily bad all the time, Rob. And I'm one of those people that just has to learn to deal with that. I don't have to like it, but I'm having to deal with it. Your calls, we'll take those this afternoon at 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call. If you want to join us on the rundown this afternoon, we're going to talk about what Coach Eric Wilson said about uh, the different stuff there. He thinks that we are going to have some sort of a season, talking with the assistants and everyone that he knows within the industry. I think the Power Fives are going to have a season, but I would not be shocked if teams like um, the... ...are going to have a season, but I would not be shocked if teams like um, the some of the FCS teams, like, uh, let's say, the Citadel, the Southern Conference, teams like that, I don't think that's going to happen for them. I think the cost of testing is just too much. I really do. But I also think that... Um, I think it's like $268 a test is what I is what uh, one of the numbers that I found online. Multiply that times 100. You do the math. That's pretty expensive. Pretty expensive. So there you go with that. I think that the big thing though is uh, with me always is player safety, and the idea of testing uh, makes the most sense because then you know who's got it and who doesn't. But I don't want to beat the coronavirus dead horse into the uh, millennium here. But we could talk about the Big Ten schedule. Uh, by the way, way to go, Big Ten! Way to go! Let's make sure that Ohio State gets a week off, or whoever your uh, whoever your conference championship is. I think every I'm looking at the stuff here. Let me make sure that I'm looking at this right. Uh, pretty much everyone gets the week off. They're got they. They're scheduling where everybody gets a week off before the championship game. Way to go. Let's make sure everybody's well-rested. Can't stand when conferences do that. That's ridiculous. Stop with the nonsense. Jonathan says if players have a choice to opt out of the season, the quality of play may go down. You might be right about that. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will uh, talk a little bit more about this Big Ten schedule and more. You're listening to The Rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Well, welcome back to The Rundown here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. My name is Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining us. You know, I want to bring up something that uh, kind of came up here. First of all, you know, Coach Wilson talked about, yeah, I've kind of given myself a social media break. Tired of the politics? Yes, that's important. But, you know, Jonathan brought up something in the Facebook group here, too. He said that he can't talk COVID without getting slightly political. You know what? I, I completely agree with that. And what I mean by that is, is that people have their opinions on on stuff with the coronavirus. And some of us are different than others. And I'm not one to dictate how you feel because that's not fair because I can't walk in your shoes. All right. But I expect you to feel the same way about me. Someone who dealt with the coronavirus. Someone who watched his wife get to the point where we almost had to put her in the hospital. It was absolutely absurd. But on the other front. One thing that I enjoy about sports and one thing that I one reason that I think we got to have sports back in our country at a very uh, absurdly fast rate is because regardless of who you are and who you vote for okay and what your politics are you could be the liberal liberalist liberal the most staunch conservative but guess what when you sit down with someone whether it's at a gamecock basketball game an LSU football game, a Clemson football game, whatever, you all wear the same colors for the most part. Sports is the most equalizing thing on the planet, in my opinion. You can literally sit down with people that you normally would not have anything in common with, but you know what? You want your team on the field to win. You want your team on the court to do well. And that's why, as a country, we've got to get to a point where We'll get our sports back. And I think you're seeing this on your social media feeds and everything else, too. I really do. If you scroll up and down, I have friends that I did not know thought one political way or another. And by their Facebook feed and their tweets and everything that I'm seeing from them, I'm learning a lot about them. I'm not necessarily saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that right now, especially with the way, let's be honest, we're still on kind of a lockdown mode. It's not like the stay-at-home order that the governor put out a while back, but it's a – we're pretty much everybody's, hey, I'm staying home, and I'm going to do the best I can to stay healthy. We're not out and about doing some of the sports stuff that we normally would do. Normally, by this time of the year, I've taken my kids to two Lexington County blowfish games. My son is autistic. He absolutely loves the fireworks. I want to go to the fireworks. I want to see – we don't get to see the fireworks. We don't go to get to see a game with the uh, the Columbia Fireflies, and 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 watch um, their um, their mascot do his thing. We don't get to see any of that. So we've lost a portion of that. And this year, uh, this summer has felt just kind of flat. You really couldn't, if you were following along and trying to keep yourself on the uh, hey, I'm going to do the best I can to stay healthy, train. A lot of people just didn't go anywhere, just didn't do it. And, you know, and that's fine. But the reality is, it seems like we had just kind of a lost summer. Normally, we'd have two or three concerts that we've been doing with our sister station, WCOS. I'm always down there with Jonathan Rush and Kelly Nash, the guy that, you know, helping them get, you know, work work with the artists and get pictures and work with winners and everything else. We don't get to do that this year. So when we don't have that bubble of stuff that we normally have, where we can go to the baseball games and all this stuff, people are going to go to what's right here, in the palm of their hand, and they're going to put out stuff on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever medium that they've got, and they're going to tell you basically how bad they feel. That's why I'm in favor of yeah the sports need to come back, and I think that they will. I know you're saying well Rob you're just you're just preaching what we already know. Yeah, I get it. But you know what? It makes me feel better to come on in the air and say that. Sports is something that we absolutely need as far as our society goes to make us better. And I'm like like a perfect example. My wife will not watch a sporting event. She has no clue about any of it. I took her to a football game. She didn't even know what two teams were playing. Seriously. I had to get her a t-shirt so she'd have the right kind of t-shirt to wear to the game. I mean, it's, it's that far-fetched in my house. But my wife is an educator. She wants to make sure that everyone, can, in her mind, reading and writing and arithmetic and science and history and astronomy, that's all more important than sports teams. And I get with her on that. But socially, sports are what bring us together. And I tell you what, we talk about, people talk about uh, our country's so divided right now. We'll get uh, back together quickly. Once the sports come back and prime examples of this stuff. And I use 9-11 as the biggest example for me. The first event, live sporting event that was back after 9-11 was a WWE event in Houston, Texas. Go and Google that online. I may post that later. The uh, the the intro from Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWE, he came out there and basically said, screw you, Taliban. This is America. Uh, we're going to put a foot in you, basically. You're not going to take our spirit away from us as a country. All right? Then we have the big thing where um, the I think it was the, the matchup with the Mets and the Braves, the first matchup with the Yankees on the field, with President Bush throwing out the baseball. Didn't you feel like an absolute just set of pride in you, whether you liked the president or not? He walked out to that field, and he threw that first pitch. It was an absolute strike, and— in my opinion, I it was like there were onions cut up in my house. I'm not a New York Yankees fan. I hope they lose every game that they play because I think they ruin baseball. But that night, we all were Yankees fans. That night, we were all were Americans, and it just made us better. And that's what we're going to have to do with this COVID stuff. Once we get to a point where we can figure out how to tamper, uh, taper the numbers down, everyone needs to, once it's safe, don't go out telling people, Rob was on the radio telling people, don't be safe. No, no, no. Once it's at a safe point, we need to completely get back into what we did before, whether it's going to your favorite sports bar and watching some of these games or going uh, out to the games, the tailgating and all of that. Not just because we need to support the sports, but just for the social end of it. That's what's going to fix our country. It has nothing to do with uh, and the division that we have, in my opinion. We bring all of that back, and you watch. The world, the world around here will change a good bit. If you want to respond to what I just talked about, 803-978-1832. Uh, Jonathan over there online is upset that I uh, bashed his Yankees. I said we all were Yankees fans for a day. You only listen to part of the conversation, man. Get with it. Angie says we need sports and rock concerts. She's right. She's right. We haven't had any of that. The only thing we've had is our, our Netflix that's basically what we've had. We've had Netflix, and that's about it. Netflix, Hulu, and you're watching games from eons from before. And for me, I'm watching UFC. We just don't have what we had before. I guarantee you, sports will make it better where we can actually get back out there and do our thing. Once it's safe, we just got to figure out how we can get that way. Need a lot of smart doctors in the rooms fixing. Uh, fixing vaccines and getting that squared away someone was talking to me online a minute ago about their they're spraying down disinfectant or whatever on uh on broncos players i'm not sure if i'm about all that the idea of hey you're going to spray something on me that's going to kill germs i mean uh, i don't know about all that i mean if they can test it and make sure it works but wow we may talk about that after the break If you want to join us on the show and respond, 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832. You can also respond on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. Edwin says I hit the nail on the head, and he agrees about the Yankees. Thank you, Edwin. Appreciate you joining the rundown this afternoon. Of course, right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Um, I've got several other things to get into today, including uh, I want to – there's a couple of other aspects I want to talk about where what I think the SEC should do with their scheduling – And a lot more here in just a moment. Of course, you're listening to The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. I'm on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. Podcast for this show with the full interview from Coach Eric Wilson, who is a very, very uh, great guest on this show. Well, uh, you can check that out about 5 o'clock this afternoon.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? Lucky?
1: More of The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Final segment of The Rundown this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Around the world on the iHeartRadio app. We appreciate you joining us here today. As always, you can uh, follow the show on Twitter. i at Rob Sounds Good. You can join us now. 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832 is the number to call if you would like to uh, get involved with the rundown this afternoon. Uh, You know what? I forgot that I put together a list for today's show. Yes, you guys remember the list. This list today is uh, pretty interesting. I focused just on the SEC today. I'm working on my ACC stuff here shortly. But today's list. Strap in. It's time for the list. The list this afternoon is the five best players that uh, are NFL draft prospects for the upcoming season. So I've got my five best here, and uh, I'm going to give you these five, and then uh, we can go from there. So at number five, I've got Dylan Moses, the linebacker from Alabama. He missed the entire season last year. I think he's going to be outstanding this year and be a big part of that Alabama defense that – uh, is basically, they played a lot of youngins last year, to be honest. A lot of guys uh, that were projected to just come in and play a little bit ended up playing a lot. Dylan Moses is going to be the uh, the quarterback of that defense and uh, look for him to do his thing at number five. At number four on the list, uh, Jalen Waddell from Alabama. You know, I think that, he he's the guy who had a huge Iron Bowl performance, but I think that uh, I think he's a guy that's going to put up a huge huge year for the uh, the Crimson Tide. He's got a very good chemistry with Mac Jones, by the way, and I think that he's a guy that that'll put up some numbers and do some big things for Alabama this season. At number three, it's kind of hard for me to to put to kind of rate offensive linemen, but. Alex Leatherwood, the big line ba- the big offensive lineman from Alabama. He was their best tackle last year. Um, he was blocking uh, Tua to Tonga Viola's blind side last year. Of course, Tonga Viola's left-handed. So he won't have to change his footwork too much, but we'll see how that works out for him there. I think he's going to be um, one of the pivotal players on that Alabama offense. And as they try to grind their way through the SEC schedule. Now, I know everybody's like, man, Rob, you got all these Alabama players. Yeah, give it time, ladies and gentlemen. Number two, though, is another Alabama player, Patrick Sertan second. You know, heading into the 2020 season, I think there are three quarterbacks who could be the first guy at that position off the board. One of them comes from Virginia Tech. I like uh, the young man uh, Farley. And Ohio State, Sean Wade. I think he's going to be good, too. But Sertane is... I mean, he is an island cornerback, man. He is a a great, great – he can pressure guys. He can run foot for foot with just about anybody. And he makes that um, Alabama defense so versatile. And then you add in Moses, too. Wow. That defense is going to be the lights out for Alabama this season, especially with Nick Saban turning the controls. Number one, though, ladies and gentlemen, and if you watch this game, you watch the national championship game, you learned a lot about him. Uh, Jamar Chase from LSU, best receiver in the country, hands down, no one better. Absolutely no one better. I, I, in just my opinion, you're not going to find a better wide receiver in the country than Jamar Chase. And you know what? You can make the argument last year, and I'm not trying to rip on Joe Burrow a little bit, but when you've got Jamar Chase to throw the ball to, and the young man that got drafted in the, uh, in the NFL too. Burrow had a lot of targets, and I'm not taking anything away from what Burrow did. He had a great season, but when you've got some of these guys that he had to throw the ball to, including Jamar Chase, just lights out outstanding. He's the best deep threat, by the way, in college football. He gets a little bit of space. He's going to the house. Now, I know people are going to tell me, well, he had, he had, a, he had Burrow throwing to him. Yeah. I, I I get that, and that's a valid thing, too, but when he gets the ball in his hands, it's lights out, ladies and gentlemen, and I think he's the top-rated player as far as coming off the draft board for the SEC, a guy that's going to make an immediate impact on whatever NFL team that he um, that decides to draft him. Number one in my book coming from the conference is that young man from LSU. So there you go with that. I, uh, that is my top five there, for the uh, the twenty for the twenty twenty one NFL draft as far as um, players for uh, where I would have them drafted at. You know, Edwin mentions online he likes Devonte Smith. Yeah, it was kind of hard. I, I like both of those receivers, and maybe they play off of each other. That's a fair thing to look at too. Um, I do like Nick Bolton from Mizzou. Now, I know folks are like, but Mizzou, blah, blah, blah. There's so much hatred for Mizzou, by the way. But Nick Bolton, the linebacker for Mizzou, is outstanding. He's going to be a guy that should be drafted in the first day of the NFL draft. So look out for him. Just slightly off of the list here. Um, Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. That guy is like a man-child, man. He's one of those guys you want him coming off the bus first because he looks like, yep, (laughs) You, you don't want to send your kickers first. You want to send Kyle Pitts, the big tight end from Florida. And he's developed a chemistry with uh, with, uh, with uh, Trask, the uh, quarterback there from uh, Florida. And I think he's going to be their big primary receiver this year. And if the Gators cannot turn the ball over and get over losing their running back, uh, Perion, I believe his name was, uh, they're going to be outstanding. I think that, that Trask is the – you can make an argument that he should be – all-SEC first-team quarterback. Now, I know the Alabama fans are going to get upset and say it should be Mac Jones, but or Texas A&M will talk to us about Kellen Lamond. Uh Give me Kyle Trask. Give me Kyle. He won me over with the game in Columbia. Now, I know Gamecock fans will tell you, well, the, there was a lot of stuff with the refs, and it was raining and all that. Here's what I know. In the fourth quarter, they were down. They were down, I think, what, 13 points, something like that, and he rallied his team to a win on the road in SEC play and just look good doing it. I think that was like his second start. Still through for 25 touchdowns too. But Kyle Pitts will be his major target, in my opinion, uh, heading into the season. Tyler Shelvin, by the way, is also on the list, the big defensive lineman from LSU. And I had one more that I'm looking through my notes here. You could talk about Terrence Marshall for LSU too, who's obviously an outstanding player. But there was one other guy that kind of, I thought, might have been under the, uh, oh, Drake Jackson, the big offensive lineman for Kentucky. Kentucky's had like five straight seasons with a 1,000-yard rusher. A lot of it's got to do with that offensive line, led by the young man Drake Jackson from Kentucky. In fact, I think he'll be a first-round pick for the Wildcats, which will be another feather in the hat of Coach uh, Mark Stoops. So there you go with that. But look look for him to to build on his resume this season. Wouldn't surprise me if late in the first round somebody went with the big offensive lineman from Kentucky. And everybody's sitting around, and they're like, how did Kentucky develop an offensive lineman like that? And Coach Stoops is looking around like, hello, hello. That's what we're doing up here. We're playing smash-mouth football at Kentucky. And that's that's the kind of football you want to play, come on up here. They're almost a throwback-type team. Anyway, Drake Jackson, remember that name, too. All right, tomorrow on the Rundown, Tyler Crowder will join us. He will give us uh, his betting picks. He's got some baseball bets that he's put out there, which are kind of funny. We'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, working on getting Levon Kirkland to join us, uh, the former defensive lineman that was on the all-decade team in the 1990s for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also played for... Seattle and a couple other teams. We'll, uh, we'll try to get him on the show with us as well on Friday. And, of course, whatever comes up. We may have a full SEC schedule by the end of the week. We may have a full ACC schedule by the end of the week. By the way, a little note for the SEC. If you're going to have your game start so late, have one of your cherry matchups early. Let's, let's get things started with a bang, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have Alabama LSU the first game of the season, first week of the season. Let's have LSU-Georgia. However it is they put the divisions together, and maybe they won't have divisions. I don't know. But why not start with a bang? I'd have three top-tier matchups if I were setting up the conference for the SEC and I'd drop the hammer, meaning, yeah, this is the this is what everybody talks about, the SEC-SEC. Yeah, have Alabama-LSU-Georgia-Florida and uh, why don't you go... Uh, you could go... What what your third matchup could be? You could figure it out. You could theoretically have some really, really good stuff there at the beginning of the season. It's kind of a big welcome back. All right, be sure to join us tomorrow. Podcast up at 5 o'clock. My name is Rob Sanders. Lawton Swan from Clemson Sports Talk is next. Be sure to check out his show. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. (laughs)